Welcome to Radio Omniwatt, a podcast about language and linguistics. My name is Simon Ager. This is episode 17, in which we will be having a little natter about slang. What is it, where it comes from, and how it is used. Incidentally, the tune you heard at the beginning of this episode is one I wrote a few years ago on the guitar, called The Scampering Squirrels, or Aguiweros sin Plankio. First, let's start with a few definitions. In the Merriam-Webster dictionary, slang is defined as language peculiar to a particular group, such as argo or jargon. An informal, non-standard vocabulary composed typically of coinages, arbitrarily changed words, and extravagant, forced, or facetious figures of speech. So we already have two synonyms for slang, argo and jargon. Argo is often used to refer to the kind of slang used by the criminal classes, particularly in the USA. And jargon is used to refer to specialist vocabulary used by a particular group of people, say doctors or engineers or teachers. In the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, slang is defined as a kind of language occurring chiefly in casual and playful speech made up typically of coinages and figures of speech that are deliberately used in place of standard terms for added raciness, humour, irreverence or other effect, and language peculiar to a group, argo or jargon. Then the Century Dictionary defines slang as colloquial words and phrases which have originated in the cant or rude speech of the vagabond or unlettered classes, or belonging in form to standard speech, have acquired or have had given them restricted, capricious and extravagantly metaphorical meanings, and are regarded as vulgar or inelegant. We have another synonym for slang there, cant. And this is possibly where slang originated in the UK at least, because cant, or thieves' cant, was the specialist vocabulary used by thieves and other ne'er-do-wells in the UK, apparently. And then dictionary.com has a number of definitions for slang. Very informal uses in vocabulary and idiom that is characteristically more metaphorical, playful, elliptical, vivid and ephemeral than ordinary language, as in hit the road. Speech and writing characterised by the use of vulgar and socially taboo vocabulary and idiomatic expressions, the jargon of a particular class, profession, etc., the specialist vocabulary of thieves, vagabonds, etc., argo. And then Wikipedia has a more linguistic definition of slang. Language, words, phrases and usages of an informal register that members of particular in-groups favour over the common vocabulary of the standard language in order to establish group identity, exclude outsiders, or both. The word slang itself was first used in print, in English, in about 1756, and referred to the language of low and disreputable people, or the special vocabulary of tramps and thieves. Its origins are uncertain. It possibly comes from the same root as the word sling, which goes back to the Old Norse slungva, which meant to hurl. So now we have an idea of what slang is. Think about where it comes from. We've already had some ideas from these definitions. It comes from the language of low and disreputable people, thieves and vagabonds, and also from particular classes of people, professions and such like. 
It's ordinary words that have been adapted for specialist meaning or changed. It might be words borrowed from other languages or other dialects of the same language. It might come from abbreviations and acronyms. Or it might be new words coined from existing roots, either within the language, say English, or from other languages like Latin or Greek, for example. Slang can refer to new things, new objects, new technologies, and also to existing things in new ways. It is often flippant, irreverent, rude, humorous, playful, witty. It can be contemptuous. It can ridicule politicians and other people you don't approve of. The police, for example, there are many slang terms for the police. It can be hostile. It's a way of showing that you belong to a particular group and excluding people who don't belong to that group. So as the definition said, slang often originates in particular groups of people, subcultures, and is not seen as mainstream. But it can become mainstream if words catch on. They bubble up from these subcultures into the the mainstream culture. If they fulfill a particular need, you need to describe something, someone, some action, some phenomenon, and the slang word does that. Then it becomes a mainstream word, and over time, people forget that it was originally a slang term. So there's many words used in standard English today that may have been once considered slang, vulgar, rude, informal, etc. So let's look at some of the words used in English slang. This is my English. I I grew up in the north of England. I don't have a particular northern accent. So I've lived in various different places. My parents didn't have northern accents either. But I did pick up various terms which were perhaps northern. I used one at the beginning of this episode, Natta, which according to Wiktionary is actually a Northern English dialect variant of Kanata or Kanata. I don't know if you normally say the G or the K at those words, but I like the sound of them anyway, which means to chatter or grumble or nibble away at, and is cognate with the German word Gnatteren, to mumble or grumble or be grouchy. So a Natter is mindless or irrelevant chatter. And tunata means to talk casually to discuss unimportant matters. And apparently in Scotland it means to nag. There are many other synonyms for to talk, to chat, for example, which comes from chatter, which can refer to the sounds made by particular birds. Magpies, for example, are said to chatter. So to chat means to have an informal conversation. And if you chat a lot, you might be called a chatterbox or chatty. And to have a little chat might be a chit-chat, which I think is very cute. And what do you chat with? Well, I'm currently using my mouth to chat with you. And there are a number of slang terms for mouth, including gob, mush, kisser, cake hole, and so on. Now let's take the first of these, gob. Now the origins of this word are slightly uncertain. It's probably from Middle English words gobbin or gabbin, to drink greedily, and maybe a variant of globin to gulp down, or related to the Middle English gulpin, to gulp, or maybe from the French gobby, to swallow or gulp, or maybe from the Irish or Scottish Gaelic gob, beak or bill. Now in Irish, gob is used to refer to the beak or bill of a bird, and also to the mouth of a person, the spout of a jug, the tip of a knife, a point or headland, and when used as a verb, it can mean to stick out, to peck, or protrude. And the diminutive koban means a dummy, or pacifier, or gag, 
So I think it's quite likely that Gob came from Irish or Scottish Gaelic. Well, it's not certain, but I like the word anyway. And it's another way that slang can emerge, referring to parts of your body using words normally used to refer to parts of animals. For example, calling your hands, your paws, or your feet, your hooves, or your hair, your mane. Another slang word I mentioned for mouth is mush, which apparently in Northern England can refer to the face, and also in Australia it's used in that way. And in Southern England, it can be used to refer to a man, as in, Oi mush, get out of it, which means roughly, Excuse me, sir, would you mind stepping aside? Mush comes from the Anglo-Romany mush, meaning man, from the Romany mush, also meaning man, and ultimately goes back to the Sanskrit manusia, meaning a man, human being, or husband. Another slang term that comes from Anglo-Romani is pal, meaning friend, although in Anglo-Romani it means brother, and goes back to the Sanskrit word for brother, which is pronounced something like bratra, and comes from the same root as the English word for brother, and words for brother in many other languages in Europe. No discussion of slang would be complete without mention of rhyming slang, which is a kind of cryptolect, a secret language that developed in London, particularly the east end of London, the eastern part of London, in the 19th century. And it was a way to talk about things without outsiders knowing what you were referring to. So it involves taking a pair of words, for example, apples and pears, to refer to something that rhymes with the second word, i.e. stairs. But then you don't mention the second word, the rhyming part, and it becomes cryptic. So if you talk about going up the apples, you're talking about going up the stairs. Other early examples include bread, meaning money, as in bread and honey, frog and toad, main road, battle of the Nile, a tile, which was a slang term for a hat, Duke of York, take a walk, top of Rome, home. And since then, many new terms have been coined using names of popular and famous people, cartoon characters even. For example, I haven't a Scooby means I haven't a clue. I don't know. Scooby-Doo, clue. And there's some that I didn't know were originally rhyming slang. For example, butchers. To have a butchers means to have a look, which comes from butcher's hook. Or Barnet is a slang word for hair, which comes from Barnet Fair. Another kind of slang is backslang or cagabgenos, which developed possibly among costermongers or street traders in 19th century London and was used as a way to keep things secret from their customers and from their natural enemies, the police. So they would reverse words. For example, job is a boy and esclop is police, and some would be able to talk fluently in this backwards language, while others memorise the particular words they use most often. And there's no standard way of reversing words. In English, if you try to pronounce words backwards, sometimes it's very difficult because of the, the letters used, so you would make them pronounceable by maybe adding in a few more extra vowels. An example is which means give her some old scrag end, which would be said by a butcher who wanted to fob off some substandard meat on a customer. Back slang is also used in a number of other languages, including French, where it is known as Verlon. It has a long history in France, going back perhaps to the 12th century. 
that the current Verlon became popular particularly in the 1980s in the suburbs of Paris and other large French cities. Verlon comes from the French word l'envers, which means the opposite, inverted, back to front. It involves reversing the syllables of words and sometimes cutting off parts of them as well. For example, femme, woman, becomes meuf, flic, which is a slang word for police, becomes keuf, petit, small, becomes type, voiture, car, becomes terroir, or terve, argent, silver, or money, becomes génard, famille, family, becomes mifa, or mif, merci, thank you, becomes simer, metro, becomes trom, or tromé, bizarre, bizarre, strange, becomes zarbi, or zarb. Another example of bank slang is the Swedish word fika, which was first used in 1910, at least in writing, and is formed by the metathesis, that's the reversal of the syllables of the Adelite word for coffee, kaffi. It refers to the practice of taking a break from work or other activities, usually to have a cup of coffee, or sometimes tea, and maybe a snack, a cake of some kind, or pastry, often in the mid-morning or mid-afternoon, although it can happen at any time of the day or in the evening as well. And now it's time for another bit of music, I think. This is The Unexpected Badger, a Mochin Daya Ranisquil, a tune I wrote in 2017, played on the guitar, whistles, piano, and a few other instruments. <laughs> slang for now. If you'd like to find notes on this episode or any other episodes of the Radio Omnigot podcast, just go to omnigot.com slash radio. You can contact me via that website or at feedback at omnigot.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe found it interesting or informative. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, you know where to go. If you're feeling generous, maybe you could leave me a little donation. You can find donate buttons on the Omnigot site at omnigot.com. So that's all I have to say. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.